Today what we're going to do is we're going to talk into the third part of our series on joy. And the joy of the Lord is supposed to be the strength of every single believer. And that is supposed to be our strength. And you can choose to have that at any time you want to because it's a choice and it's not a feeling. And we, we talked about happiness being a feeling and, and joy being a choice. And you're not always happy. You know, I can be in joy and not be happy. And let me give you an example. If I was told that I owed $10,000 to the IRS and I had $5 in the bank, I would not be happy. But I could still have joy knowing that God is going to provide for me according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus, which in turn will make me happy, but at the t- right then I'm not ha- too happy. I'm probably a little bit ticked off. But anyway, our, th- our theme verse is this. It's Philippians 4.4. 4. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Father, we just glorify you and we thank you for being such a good God and a merciful God. And Father, today we choose to rejoice and we choose to have joy in you. And Father, we know that we need your strength. And Holy Spirit, we just ask that you reveal to us and open up up to us the word in Jesus' name. Amen. Now the thing of it is, is the only way to have this joy that I'm talking about is to have a relationship with Christ Jesus. Without a relationship with Christ Jesus, you cannot be experience unlimited joy. Now just because you have... Just because you're born again doesn't mean you have a relationship with Christ Jesus. Just because you asked him to come into your heart, just because you believe and you received, you can still have that same way of thinking like, well, you know, this is how it is and this is how it's always going to be. Oh, woe is me. But, you know, that's not the type of attitude that we're supposed to have. As a matter of fact, joy is renewed every morning. Mercy is renewed every morning. Every time we get it, it's renewed. It's there. It doesn't run out. It's unlimited. And God wants us to experience this joy, and he wants us to rejoice and give it to other people. I mean, that's really what he wants. He doesn't want you to be some gloom, despair, and agony on me type Christian. Deep, dark depression, excessive misery. If it wasn't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. You know, hee-haw Christians. I mean, there's a a lot of hee-haw Christians out there, and God's not like that. As a matter of fact, there's a, there's a lot of those Christians that are hee-haw Christians. They're, they're, the only reason why they go to church is because they're scared they're going to hell. Well, listen, I'm not going to hell. And the reason why is not because I go to church or not go to church. The reason why I'm not going is because Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. Because I've accepted him. It doesn't matter if your church says Baptist, Pentecostal, Methodist, Lutheran, denominational, non-denominational. It doesn't matter what it says because that sign is either going to blow off going up or burn off going down, and that choice is yours. Amen? So I can have joy in this. Well, you know, while Paul was in prison, in a Roman prison, he writes this letter. Uh, he writes the, the letter to Philippians. He was chained to somebody else, and he makes a profound statement in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 1. And I don't know if you noticed this or not in this joy series that we're doing. We're actually going through the book of Philippians. And, it, and he writes this. He says, In the New Living Translation, whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. Doesn't Paul realize he's in jail? Doesn't he realize he's chained to somebody else? He doesn't even know what's going to happen to him. Possibly facing death, he's really unsure of what's going on. And he says, it doesn't matter, man. Just rejoice, whatever situation you're in. How many of you are in prison right now? I mean... 
How many of you chained to anybody right now? I'm not talking about being married, ball and chain. That's not what I'm talking about. But see, he's writing this in that state, in that situation, and he's learned how to have joy, and he's learned how to rejoice. So what I've learned here is joy is the supernatural weapon that we have to overcome our circumstances. If you want to overcome your circumstances, you have to have joy. And, you can, and, and I'll tell you, and it doesn't matter what the circumstance is. I mean, I've seen people with stage 4 cancer on their deathbed having joy. And then I've seen people who think that they might have cancer, they're going to have biopsy, they, they're screaming and shouting and moaning and groaning that they're going to die. Give me the joy. Because if I have the joy, I can overcome any circumstance. Because when I have joy, I have faith. When I have faith, I can trust in God that he's my provider, that he's my deliverer. He goes on to say, I never get tired of telling you these things, and I do it to safeguard your faith. So what does joy do? Paul's saying joy is what safeguards your faith. If you want to safeguard to faith, have joy. The reason why you struggle in your faith is because the joy is not your strength. The joy of the Lord is not your strength. That's what he's saying here. The reason why I'm telling you to rejoice, he said, is to safeguard your faith. Now, I'll tell you right there, that, that if you do that alone, you don't need to go to any church with the joy of the Lord. See, if you have that, because a lot of people that come to church, well, you know, I've got to keep my faith. I've got to keep going. I've got to charge my battery up. You know what? Your battery should be charged every day. Not because you come to church. There's a reason we come to church, but it's, it's not so that we can experience joy. Joy should be something we should be experiencing every day of our lives. Amen? So, you know, Paul knew that there was a force trying to steal his, his faith. And he knew that that force was trying to rob him of his joy, and he knew that if his joy was robbed, his faith would be shaken. So don't let the world take your joy. Then in Philippians chapter 3, Paul deals with some joy killers. And in uh, in verse 18, it starts this way. It says, For, as I have often told you before, and now say again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. He goes on to say their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things. Now, I'll tell you what, that's a joy killer in itself. Your mind being on earthly things, being on stuff of the world. You know, because this is where our battlefield is. Our battlefield that we fight every day is in our head. It's in our mind. You know, and it's wild. I mean... I'll talk to people that I haven't seen in a long time, and, and I'm not thinking anything of it and not realizing that they've been mad at me for the last five years um, over something they think I thought or said or whatever. And, and, and if I did say something, I didn't mean it that way, and I didn't even know they're mad. I'm going on, and they're all jacked up. You know what I'm saying? You know, so their mind is on earthly things instead of being on heavenly things. And to be on heavenly things in this area is if they're my friend, they should say, Hey, Rick, you know, I don't know what you actually meant there, but this is what I, what I got out of it, and, and it kind of hurt me. Well, dude, I didn't mean that. That's not how I meant it. I meant it like this. You know, and, and if we would do that, we'd, man, I'll tell you what, we'd be, so, we'd be in a much better place. But we get bombarded by things that are trying to kill our joy. And here's a joy killer for a, uh, for a believer right here. Being unaware of the benefits of the cross. 
You know, it's crazy. Most Christians don't know the benefits of the cross. Most Christians live a defeated life. Most Christians sing songs like, When I get to heaven, going to walk with Jesus. When I get to heaven, going to see his face. When I get to heaven, going to talk with Jesus. Saved by his wonderful grace. Okay? Now, what about while I'm on earth? Can I walk with Jesus on earth? Can I talk with Jesus on earth? Can I see his face through the word on earth? I sure can. So why do I have to wait till I get to heaven? Because the joy of the Lord is my strength, and I can have joy getting into the word and seeing him revealed to me in my spirit through the Holy Ghost. Joy killer number two. Addicted to pleasure. Now I'll tell you what, this is rampant. Um, this is that attitude, well, if it feels good, it's okay. How can something be so, how can something feel so right, be so wrong? Well, I'll tell you how it can be, because it says so in the Bible. See, we have to quit going by our feelings because our feelings will destroy us. We have to go by our faith, by our choices. And the deal is, is if we learn how to walk by faith and not by sight, we'll have joy and we won't, we won't get caught up into, in, in, into the, the, just the pleasures of life. And let me tell you, when you really understand joy, you actually do walk in pleasure. You really do. You, I mean, you feel, it, it's kind of like when you're fat and you're losing weight, you start feeling good about yourself. You start getting more energy and stuff like that. I'm, I'm just saying that because I'm losing weight. And I know all you guys are telling me I'm fat, so that's good. But I'm losing it. It's going. I went from a, a 38 to a 34, so I'm good. You know? You know what I'm saying? But it's the same thing with joy and happiness. If you really understand joy, the happiness will follow the joy. The pleasure will follow the joy. But if you run after pleasure, your joy won't follow and joy is the only thing that will last. It's the only thing that's, that's uh, eternal. <clears throat> so being addicted to pleasure. And what that does is it, it basically gives you the, uh, the, the justification to do bad things, to compromise your morals and your values. And you justify it by being addicted to pleasure. But that moment will pass. And then the next joy killer is this, earthly-minded. Well, isn't that the same thing? No. Um, that could be everyday life. You're so focused on just everyday life, the routine of, of everyday life. And, and let me give you an example. You remember when Mary and Martha were at the house and Jesus came to visit? Martha invited them over. Well, in Luke chapter 10, I'm going to read it, uh, verses 38 through 42. It's not, it's, it's not on the board, uh, or I didn't give them in my notes, but here it is. It says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. So Martha opened up the home, right? She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening uh, to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. 
You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So in other words, what Martha was doing wasn't a bad thing. She was picking up the house. She was cleaning up the dishes. She was preparing some food. She was doing something that was good. But it really was not the best thing. The best thing was sitting at the feet of Jesus and listening. That's like coming to worship. When we come into the house of God to worship God and we're in praise and worship, some of us are thinking about lunch. Some of us are thinking, when's the service going to be over with because I've got to go ride my Harley Davidson? That's Rocky and me and Bob and maybe a couple others. But, you know, we're thinking about other things instead of just sitting at the feet of Jesus and listening. And that truly is what we need to do. We need to quit thinking about earthly, everyday, routine things, and we need to start focusing on Jesus more, and it will increase your joy. So like I said, every Sunday we have this happening. And now I'll tell you the purpose for coming to church, and the purpose for coming to church is this, is to encourage one another in the faith, um, to worship, corporate worship, coming together and lifting up, lifting up the name of Jesus, to hear the word of God explained by someone called to be a pastor or a teacher, and then to go check it out for yourselves to make sure the pastor and the teacher is actually teaching what is correct, and then living by what that word says and what was taught, bringing it out to the world. That's the purpose for going to church. Is, is basically to get together, build relationships, and, and build the kingdom of God. That's, that's what the church is about. This is not a place that you just get a Band-Aid and say, okay, I go back out to the world now. This is the place you get encouraged and strengthened with other believers. That's what the church is about. And we are the church. God did not intend for us at all to live like just natural lives. He intended for us to live supernatural lives, to live above and beyond. We need to quit thinking about things like the world thinks, and we need to start thinking about things like the Word says. We need to take a look at the Word. We need to get the Word in our hearts, and then we need to walk the Word out. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then it goes, Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So that's that battlefield I was talking about in the mind. You know, what happens is we get, we get messed up in our heads in, in these, this thinking. And we get messed up in so many different ways. You know, we get messed up at home, you know, because our back hurts, because uh, <coughs> I'm sick, because whatever. And, and, and we're trying to get sympathy. We're trying to get pity. And, we, and, and, and so we, we call everybody. We don't really want to get healed. Uh, wait a minute. Did I say that? Yeah. Because if we really wanted to get healed, we wouldn't go for pity. What we would do is we'd go for faith and prayer. It's the truth. Now, your mind might be going, yeah, but it hurts. I, I want to be better, and I want to be, really? Then start walking like it. Start talking like it. Start acting like it. See, I'll, I'll just be honest with you. My pain has increased since yesterday, Saturday. It's increased. It got, it, Friday it was really good, and Saturday the pain increased. But I am not going to allow this to stop my destiny. I'm not going to allow this to stop my call. 
I'm not going to allow something that, that you know, the devil wants me to, to lay on my back. I'm not going to allow this something to stop me from what God has for me. And don't ever allow something to stop you either. God has a great and mighty plan for every single one of you, all of us together. Amen? All right. So we need to keep our eyes on Jesus. Romans 8, 6 says, uh, The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. So when or if you conquer the battlefield of the mind, then you'll have peace, you'll have joy, you'll have life. That's what he just said. And God wants you to have so much more. Okay, back to Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. It says, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. So even though that you live in America, even though you might be born in America, even though you might, you might be an American citizen technically, if you're born again, your citizenship is in heaven. So the key to joy here is be eternally minded. If you have an eternal mind set, if you think on eternity, then what will happen is your joy starts coming up because what you're going through is temporary. And what you're going to be doing with the Lord is eternal. You just have to have focus. You have to be focused on the right thing. You know, when I was an EMT firefighter, because I've been everything but a brain surgeon, but um, when I was an EMT firefighter, uh, what they used to tell us is they, they told us to, as an EMT school, is to, when you talk to people, get them, find out what their hobbies are, get them to think on other things, because 75% of their pain is them focusing on their pain. So whatever pain you're having, if you want to get rid of 75% of it, focus on something else. If you want to get rid of 100% of it, start focusing on Jesus and the price that he paid, because he'll take that 25% away. Amen? All right. So I'm going to give you three practical things to think eternally and to have, be eternally minded. Number one is this. See God's redemption for my yesterday. Now, that's pretty good. Philippians 3, 7 through 11, it says, But whatever was to my prophet, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. You know that Paul had a past just like everybody else. And I'll be honest with you. I don't think anybody here... And I don't think anybody that I've ever met in my life has had a past like Paul. Um, Paul the Apostle was religious, and I'm sure we all know some religious people. Paul the Apostle was prideful, and I'm sure we all know some prideful people. But Paul the Apostle went out to murder God's children. How many of you went out to go murder somebody else's children? I mean, that's what the Apostle Paul did. Uh, he was doing it, he thought he was doing it for the right reason. thought he was being justified because of his religious background, but he was a murderer. And so he said, I put those things behind me. I don't, even, I don't even focus on that because I've been redeemed from my yesterday to today. And so he didn't allow his past to define who he is. Don't allow your past to define who you are. Start focusing on the eternal. Paul now had a purpose. And when you replace past with purpose, you end up with potential. You should write that down. That's good. And I came up with that myself. Anyway, what is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish 
that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. I highlighted three words um, there. I only see two right there, but I highlighted one above that also. Um, The first word I highlighted was knowing. And this is the thing is, when you really know the price that Jesus paid and the benefits that you have through the cross, what happens is you start getting joy, obtaining joy. It just starts happening. When you, when you start understanding that, wait a minute, I don't have to have this sickness and disease. I don't have to. Why? Because the benefits, the, the, the benefits that happened with the cross at Calvary, the price that he paid. So when I know that, joy starts coming up. The second thing is, is righteousness. When we know that we're in right standing with God, we know that God's not mad at us. We know that he does, he, he's, if we do something wrong, he's not disappointed at us. He might not like what we did, but he loves us no matter what we did. Now, that's kind of crazy. Because, you know, I know most all of you probably heard your parents say at some point in time, you know, um, I don't have to like you, but I have to love you. Let me tell you, that's false doctrine. What? Yeah, no, that's false doctrine. When you, and I didn't intend to go here, but when you actually study and understand grace, we have to love and like. God still likes us when we do bad things. He just doesn't like the bad thing we did. So like I said, that's false doctrine. You, we have to love, we have to, well, I don't like them. Well, then you're thinking on worldly things, and you're thinking the way the world thinks. Anyway, law. Think about that for a little while. And also what happens with righteousness is you, you start getting a sense of self-worth. You know, your self-worth comes up because a lot of people, oh, I'm just so unworthy. I'm just, no, you know, you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You're worthy. Nobody's more worthy than you. Nobody. Billy Graham's no, no, was no more worthy than you. You're equal. As a matter of fact, let me even throw this out there, and you might pick up stones to stone me, but that's okay. Oh, here we go. You're equal with Christ Jesus. The Bible says we're joint heirs. What does a joint heir mean? It means we are equal heirs. Whoo, anyway, now that right there, that gets you stoned in some circles. And I'm not talking about the medicinal stuff. I'm talking about rocks. Anyway, the third thing is fellowship. And what that is is every day walking your Christian walk out. And so you have to have fellowship. And when you make a conscious decision to walk this walk out and spend time with him on a continual basis, I guarantee you your joy will increase. And it will increase by spending time with him. So what we need to do is we need to be eternally minded. So number two, 
see God's purpose for my today. Well, now this one's a really good one. Because this one actually takes, this one will take you to number three, but we're not going there yet. It says this in Philippians 3, 12 through 14. It says, not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold for me of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So God has a purpose for you. God has a plan for you. He's got, I mean, he's got everything that he wants for you wrapped up in, in, in a package. And all we have to do is just reach out and grab it. Now, he presses on. He looks at t- his todays. There was a story I, I heard, um, and I guess Joel Osteen originally told the story, uh, but I heard it from, uh, who's that guy who does Family Feud? Who? Steve Harvey. Yep. That's who I heard it from. And it was one of his favorite stories that he, that he got from Joel Osteen. And it kind of goes, goes like this. This guy was walking in the hallways of heaven. He's walking the hallways, and he sees all these rooms with people's names on it. And he's talking to Peter, and he's like, well, hey, man, what, what's behind that? Oh, you don't have to worry about it. You know? and, and they're going on and, and on. And, and, and you, know, well, what's, oh, you don't have to worry about that. Well, he gets to a door, and it's got his name on it. But he wasn't going to listen to Peter. He opened that door. He wanted to see what what was in there. It was a warehouse. And the warehouse was full of packages, all wrapped nice and neat packages. And I mean, just, I mean, it was beautiful. He said, Peter, what's, what's all this? He said, this is all the blessings that God had for you. He wanted to give every single one of these gifts to you while you were on earth. But you had doubt. You had unbelief. You didn't know the benefits to the cross. You didn't know that Jesus really paid this price and all these things were for you to help you succeed because he's given you all things that pertain to life and godliness. How many of us have warehouses full of stuff? can identify with that. Well, let me tell you, when you find out and know the benefits of this, and you start paying attention to your today, forget your yesterday, forget forget all that stuff that's behind you. You pay attention to today, and you start believing God today, your joy will increase. And what will happen is you'll start seeing supernatural things in your life. And the third point and the last point is this. See God's plan for my tomorrow. And that's what you have to do is you have to see God's plan for your tomorrow. Philippians 3, 20, 21, it says, but our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a savior from there. The Lord Jesus, or the Lord, yeah, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. And this is a comforting scripture for the sweet by and by that things are going to going to look better for us down the road. But let me tell you something. Even though that you understand that there's no more sickness, no more depression, no more pain, no more addiction, and we know we can have joy in this, at the same time, while you're alive on earth, this still applies. 
he still has this in the benefits. And, and basically, what you do today will pave the road for your tomorrow. 